Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, May 2nd edition of the show. Jake, you know what that means? The month of April is officially over, but more importantly, more notably, the Anaheim Ducks regular season 2021-2022 season is officially in the books. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs have begun, and so now the Ducks won't be playing hockey again until the fall. I mean, what does it feel kind of almost like the season just went by in a flash? What's just your reaction to that fact alone? Well, I mean, first off, you said the, the name of the prod- podcast wrong. We've rebranded, renamed the podcast. It's still CTP, but when now we're uh, Cherish Tom Hodges. Let's get it right. Oh, okay. Oh, Sorry. we're doing that. We're doing we're, that right off the back. Hey, that's right the, the most relevant news from the last week. So I'm just, you know, going to say it was a heartwarming <laughs> moment. As for your actual question, sorry. Um, what was your actual question? It was about the how season going feel, by in a flash. How do, feel, um, how, do you, how do you feel about the season being over? I'm excited because here's the deal. For a while there, it looked like the Ducks were going to make the playoffs, which obviously was exciting. There was that. Wait, even for a while they, there? You mean back in December? No, even till up, up until the All-Star game. Come on. Okay. Even up until the all It was after the All-Star game when Gibson really fell apart that it became clear that they weren't making the playoffs. Wow, blaming Gibson. I mean, he, they, I thought I, I thought he can't possibly be blamed because of the players in front of him and the workload and the fact that he played for Randy Carlisle a few years ago. I thought he can't be blamed. Couldn't be blamed. Am I wrong about that? Are you telling you me that you can't actually blame him? Are you having your Kermit the Frog sipping on tea moment right now? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, I'm actually sipping a, a La Croix right now. And I'm sipping a spicy mango cart. So there Good we go. You. Good yeah. on you. Um, back to your question, the 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 whole start of this this thing. Is this um, going to be an off-the-rails episode? A 100% is going to be. We have okay. a lot of questions from Discord, so this is going to be a question-heavy podcast after kind of do a little bit of in-memoriam for the Ducks season. Um, yeah. But I, I think no matter what, even if the Ducks had made the playoffs, right, they were probably going to get crushed by whatever team they were going to play. Realistically, that's probably how it was going to go. So... I think we all knew that the real exciting part, especially once Pat Verbeek came on, was the deadline, and then it was going to be the offseason. Because how does this team get rebuilt? Because this season, for as much fun as it was, this was just the start. This was the app. This was the appetizer. This, I mean, mm. this probably wasn't even the appetizer. This was the cocktail hour, where okay. where, you, where you start okay. taking some sips, you start feeling good. You're you're feeling good about yourself. Maybe you have a couple hors d'oeuvres come around. Maybe you get one or two. Maybe you get a bacon wrapped uh, bacon wrapped scallop out of that. Maybe you have some some great great little meals. But it's it's just a little okay. taste, okay. a little taste. You want more, but just a taste. Then you kind of move into the off season, and then next year you get the appetizer. Kind of tastes better. Starts to be a little bit more filling. You start to have more fun. The Ducks maybe make a run at the playoffs, an actual run, and then eventually you start to get to that main course. That big eight ounce filet mignon that's just so tasty, so tender. And that is what this Ducks uh, contending run is going to be. So, yeah, this is this this season. I don't even know. I pulled that out of nowhere, but this was the cocktail hour for the Ducks. I mean, that's a very positive spin, I would say. Not 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 spin, but a very positive way of looking at it. Yeah. So before we kind of move. So I think we have a lot of questions today that we're going to get into. Um trying to keep this one kind of kind of neat and tidy for for timing purposes but before we get into the questions i do think it's worth looking back at this season 
kind of learning from it, recapping it a little bit, and then then looking ahead to what comes next. Because I think we need to look back and just take stock one last time of what happened while it's still fresh, and then and then go from there. So for me, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Okay. I don't, I don't care. You've, you've had a few sips of, of an adult beverage. I think you can handle it. What is your biggest takeaway from this season, from the madness that we just witnessed? Because a lot happened, Jake, this season. A lot happened. So what? It did. What, what, what's kind of the biggest one that pops out to you right now? I think the Ducks are overall in good hands moving forward. I think that's my biggest takeaway from this season because Pat Verbeek being hired is part of it. And I think if you're trying to look at the big, the biggest, most important thing that's happened this season was Pat Verbeek becoming the general manager of this team. Mm-hmm. Because that is the, the move that's going to have the largest influence on this team for the next five, six years. And so I think my biggest takeaway is... I mean, hell, we went into the season, right? How much of every episode did we dedicate to how many UFAs are the Ducks going to move? Yeah. Are they going to, is it just going to be one? Like even before the season, we talked about, oh, Bob Murray might move one is what we thought. We'd be lucky if he moves two. Right. And turns out he wasn't there. Pat Verbeek was there. And the Ducks moved all four of the pending UFAs. Yeah, like the, the noteworthy guys. That was that was the story of the season to me. Was what has desperately needed to be done for years now finally was complete. And so I know that's not necessarily exactly the type of answer you were looking for because no. you were more you no, were I'm more not. so I think looking for on the ice stuff. But no, no, that's that's completely you projecting there. Please do not okay. assume what I'm thinking. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, but so I, let's but go I, with that. I, no, I, I think that that's a good takeaway because in the in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture, what will matter the most for this franchise in two, three years down the line about this season is the fact that, I mean, for one, because for all of this, for all of that to happen, that the, for one, Bob Murray resigning yeah. is, is the biggest one there that allows for all this to happen. And then, yes, the cascading effect, Pat Verbeek gets hired, the trade deadline happens, I mean, Aikens gets extended for another year. I mean, all of these different things, those are going to have the biggest outsized impact on the, the short and long-term future of this team. So I think that that's a, that's a great takeaway from, from this season. Thank you. Um, Thanks for pumping my tires there. Well, I mean, it, it, it's think about it. They traded... No, definitely. They traded Hampus Lindholm, who was a sixth overall pick for this team. They traded Ricard Raquel, multiple-time 30-goal scorer. They traded Josh Manson, a late round find. They traded Nick Delorier, who had become kind of a bit of a fan favorite locker room guy. I mean, that's that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Regard and and the thing is, it was long overdue. This should have happened a, a year ago at least. And so, I think what's kind of funny to me, as I've thought, you know, looked back on the season, wrapped it around, try to wrap my mind around it, is when the Ducks announced that they were doing a rebuild to start the year. It's funny, like why was why did they announce it then? What was it about this why, fall? Well, why did they reach out to us to <laughs> essentially contact us to give us inform to like uh, give us some information, right? Why was that something that specifically like they they wanted to relay? But but the thing is, why why now? Why did that happen this uh-huh. season? I th- I think that we we didn't think that question through enough of why now yep. because if you think about it. <laughs> Whether they believed that they were in one or not, they were in one two years ago. They stopped being good a while ago. The veterans weren't going to be bouncing back. 
a while ago. Although to be fair, some of the veteran guys had, had good seasons this year, but it is interesting just the timing of all of that. Now I think, yes, from an on ice perspective, cause I, I guess my biggest takeaway would probably be that in the, in the grand scheme. But I think the, the bigger takeaways on ice, there's a few that you can pick from. I think that there's, there's some highlights and there's some lowlights. I mean, for me, one of the biggest one that sticks out, of course, is Troy Terry and yeah. the fact that he had the season that he did, the fact that he cemented himself as a, as a bona fide first line forward, in my opinion. I don't. I, I really think that even if, and it probably will, his goal scoring regresses next season, he's still going to be high impact first line caliber forward. Yep. Would you disagree with that? Completely agreed. Okay. Got it. And then, of course, I mean, Trevor Zegris, that's to me the other biggest story on the ice is the fact that he came in and I would say delivered on the hype. He he delivered the highest point getting season for a Ducks rookie in franchise history across the 60 goal or the 60, <laughs> not 60 goal, 60 no. point plateau. Um, maybe one day uh, 60 point plateau delivered some of the most memorable moments we've seen watching this sport, let alone this team. Well, and the question coming into the year, right, was where's the offense going to come for this team? That that was the question last year, and that, that's that been the question for years now. Of where's the offense going to come from for this team? Mm-hmm. And we finally got answers for that moving forward with Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers. So from a positive perspective, I mean, the other part of this is, so first off, that's the first two 60-point uh, players that this Ducks team has had since I think it was the, what was it, the 17-18 season when Raquel had 69 points, Getzoff yeah. had 61 points. And so it's been a while since they've had two guys put up those points. The thing that I find fascinating, though, is Getzloff and Raquel played together. Yeah. Zegris and Terry did this each on their own. Like, neither of them were on the line together. What happens if they're put on a line together throughout the entirety of a season? How much more? How many more points are they able to get together? And I think, to me, that is both a positive and a negative, right? The positive yeah. is... That's something we can see moving forward. That's something very, very exciting to look forward to. The negative out of that is the Ducks have a coach that was uh, insistent on that not happening for the majority <laughs> of the season and basically had it happen for 10 games then went away from it. And so, granted, next season is going to be a whole different story. There's no Ryan Getz left to pair Troy Terry with. Mm-hmm. And so getting Trevor Degas with, uh, with Troy Terry makes a whole lot more sense. The real question is, is Dallas Aikens going to have the wherewithal to not put a career AHLer with him? And I'm not even talking about Derek Grant right now because for <laughs> however you feel about him, and I'm included in that, he was an NHLer this year because he played most of his games in the NHL. Right. Uh, or all of his games. All of his games were in the NHL. But like these last couple games, they were stuck, or Milano and Zegers were stuck with Buddy Robinson, who is a career AHLer, not even me- meaning for that to be a shot. That just is what he is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure what world you live or what world we live in where putting a career AHLer with your two of your best offensive players is a smart decision. So no, those decision making uh, that decision making needs to change in the off season and moving forward for essentially this to be a positive outcome moving forward. Sure, but I think that yeah we can we'll we'll get into some of the negatives because there there's a few I think people. People are probably expecting more of those from us than some of the positives. So we're going to focus on the positives for now before getting into the our, our grievances, basically. Mm-hmm. I think next up on the positive list for me is is Sonny Milano. Yes. I think that if, if nothing else, Sonny Milano, the fact that he really showed this year, because even though I think we were both 
believers in his his game and his ability to to carve out a, a spot in the top six he hadn't really done it yet and so the fact that he came out and did it and did it very well did it spectacularly well he's 25 he's an rfa i mean this is a guy who i think is just going to provide positive value for the ducks from just like a dollar's perspective right i mean this is a guy who's who's going to give them a you know a, a consistent presence in the top six who can play with any of their top guys yeah and, and let me ask you this. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, I think, the most fascinating part when looking back on this season. Uh-huh. The two guy, two of the guys we just talked about didn't start the season in a locked-in role on this team. Yeah, like, I mean, Tro- 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 Troy, Troy Terry, Troy, healthy scratched, right? Troy, Ter- like, I remember going <laughs> back when, but Troy Terry, um, <laughs> Troy Terry, I thought was uh, sick during that period. Or that, right? that That's what right? happened. But he basically said on all of his podcasts that he's got on that he was healthy scratch to start the year. That wasn't him being sick. That was just a healthy scratch. And that's kind of lost in all of this, that that mm-hmm. was how the coaching staff viewed him. And then to have this type of season and be able to work out of it. And granted, that goes to what we said about him last year is that he was better than anyone gave him credit for. And this year he just, yes, he improved, but he had the results to go with it. And then Sonny Milano started the season with the goals. Yeah. Did not even make the team. Didn't make the team. Cleared waivers. Yeah. Like that, like, and and, I mean, that... I guess, it's, I bo- guess- it's both a great thing and a bad thing, right? From a talent evaluation perspective, it's not the best thing in the world from the coaching staff. But the good news is that the Ducks have these two players that came out of kind of nowhere. Um, not because if you look at underlying metrics, you could definitely see this type of thing coming. But from a protect- pr- production standpoint, it wasn't necessarily there previously. Yeah, I mean, the thing to keep to keep in mind with Sonny Milano at that time is the uncertainty regarding his health. Because... He was coming back from a pretty troubling... Missing a whole season. Yeah, concussion situation. And so I understand, for example, him clearing waivers, but the fact that, that the team... Because he played extremely well in, in training camp and in exhibition games. The fact that That's he didn't right. make the team is still still shocking. But, you know, back then, we it's kind of hard... It, it's kind of hard to say who exactly was driving those decisions at the time because Bob Murray was still there. Although post Bob Murray, Dallas Higgins' decisions haven't become necessarily all that much more. What do you want to see? What, what word do I want to use here? Rational um, since that sure, time. But sure. Regard, but regardless, Sonny Milano is a great story. The fact that he was healthy, the fact that there was the scare where he, he got hit in the head. I forget. I think it was like halfway through the season. That yeah, it was, was against really the scary. wild. Yeah, but the fact that he survived that and that he was able to to play out the year and did it well, that's a great positive development for this team. Yeah, moving definitely. down the moving down the list because I want to stick on the the younger player theme, and I think that there are also some good veteran success stories. I'm gonna get this one out of the way because I think this one's probably at the top of people's minds. Isaac Lindstrom. So great career year from a production perspective, and from an underlying metric perspective, was a good defensive player and was not as bad offensively, at driving offense and this year as it was last year. One thing I want to quickly mention on Isaac Lundestrom specifically yep. is that his defensive metric shockingly got better once the Ducks stopped using him in this shutdown role. Yeah. That that was the, the role that they had like kind of uh, pegged him into. Yeah, yeah, pigeonholed him into. And once it seemed like Dallas Aiken stopped doing that because 
the he took him off. Darren Grant wasn't on his line anymore. Nick Delorier wasn't there. Like Jacob Silverberg wasn't there. Like all these guys that were essentially the defensive wingers weren't there, and he was instead playing with a Vinny Letary or a whoever else. Like the the matchups weren't necessarily as tough. And I mean, lo and behold, he started playing better, and that's his, what you, his numbers drastically improved. And that's what you want out from a young player. You want to, and this is what we've long talked about. You want to put him in positions to succeed. He wasn't succeeding in that role. He wasn't putting up good numbers. And some people could say, well, that's because he was playing against tough competition. So what do you expect? You expect your guy to not get caved in. That's mm-hmm. what a, a good defensive center does. Is he's able to push the play the other way and not get caved in. And so that's kind of a lot of what we said for most of the year, right, was that he's getting pigeonholed into this role and it could hurt his development. And he, if he were to just be played as a fourth-line center, it wouldn't be as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that he – I was very skeptical of him throughout the year, and I think that at the time with the information available, that was correct. Now on the balance of the season, you look at what he did – and he looks a lot like how he did last year, right? He kind of looks like almost the same player from an on-ice impact perspective. And so the fact that he was able to recover from that, you know, playing in that shutdown role to kind of showing what he can do just in a normal deployment, that is that is encouraging. And I think that it'll be interesting to see now how they use him next year if they're able to learn from this season and kind of well, how, how you're supposed to use him. And I think you're supposed to, you have to insulate him because what we've seen from him from looking at the underlying metrics and also looking at some of the tracking data on him is he's mm-hmm. a really good player in transition. Mm-hmm. He's great at transitioning the puck from the defensive zone, carrying from the defensive zone to the offensive zone, which is a very useful talent in the NHL to have. The issue is, is that once he gets into the offensive zone, the puck just kind of dies on his stick. Nothing yeah. really happens there because he kind of takes it to the outside and stays to the outside and no chances are really created off of that. So you need to get him with players that he can just give the puck to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's he's going to learn how to make those better reads when he's entering the zone because, like you said, a lot of the times he just holds on to it, holds on to it, gets it around the net, behind the net, and then it ends up just being a, a pass back to the point and then it just turns into a low-quality shot. So, But that but there is, there is some encouraging... Uh, so there are some encouraging signs there that maybe he can continue to develop. And then just moving a little further down the list, uh, just giving out flowers here left and right. I thought that Jamie Drysdale. So I bagged a lot on Jamie Drysdale to start the year, and I'm still oh I I still have reservations. Oh? Still have oh? reservations. He was still very very poor defensively this year. I mean, there's just no sugarcoating that. But but. He was not nearly – I mean, he wasn't as bad as he was last year, so there's improvement. And his ability to drive offense specifically did improve drastically. drastically. I mean, still not that that much of a positive contributor, but drastically. And that, but, but he was just 19. He was just 19, no longer is, thank God. Um, <laughs> and was playing next to Hampus Lindholm, kind of pigeonholed, again, like Lindstrom, pigeonholed into this role that – probably wasn't suited for. And then I think what's the most encouraging to me with Drysdale is that when you dig more into the tracking data from Corey, he grades out really well in some interesting areas. He's really, really good at entering the zone with control, which is what we were just talking about with Isaac Lindstrom. He's also really good though at entering the zone and then creating plays after that. So he's kind of like the anti-Lindstrom in that respect. And that's intriguing to me. And 
I think digging in more into the stats in his own zone, he's also good at retrieving the puck. He's good at getting it out of his zone after he's retrieved it with possession. And he's good at suppressing chances again. So there's – and he's good well, at defending his own blue line. So, there, so there's – there's starting to be this kind of tail of the tape here where you can see you can see a path for him now that maybe wasn't quite there off of last year. Well, what I find interesting is a lot of times, right, there, there's obviously going to be flaws with the, the track data, and it's not always going to line up directly with the macro-type data. But a no, lot of times, yeah. even if it doesn't line up, you can expect some positive regression. Mm-hmm. I don't know if regression is the right word. Positive uh, jump from the macro data if the micro data is there. Well, that's the thing because you saw the improvements in his overall on-ice impact and then you look at the micro data and you realize, okay, that's maybe why it's happening. Maybe that's why there was a jump in his offensive impact because he's doing all these things that are, that are really important. Now, I think the next step for him, interestingly, like Lundestrom, is that he is so good at gaining the blue line and there were times this season where he would do that, and it felt like there was just no plan after that. It was just throw it on net or chip it in. Like There just wasn't really kind of this mindfulness about the way he was doing it. And I think now a big key for him, a lot like Troy Terry in a way, is attacking that middle of the ice, You know, drawing in, drawing in and, and really attacking coverage and dishing it back out or back to a trailer. right? And that's, that's also a systems thing. It's not just completely on him. But... I do think it's a big positive for the Ducks that the guy that they drafted sixth overall is showing progress because yeah, you need you need you need those to pan out. All right, uh, I'm in order I'm gonna to give get. I'm gonna give one more player his flower. Or let's go two more players. Two more players their flowers. I've got I've got a few more, but yeah. Well, just in the. Uh, well, I think I think now I mean unless there are some youngsters I'm missing, I think veterans. There's three correct. guys I think correct. that in respect to time to keep this a little bit tight. Yeah, uh, the veterans I think that deserve their flowers are obviously Ryan Getzloff. Yeah, that's number we, one because he yeah. was great this year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Adam Henrique. He was. He might have been the Ducks' best player this year, behind Troy Terry and Trevor Segrist. I think from an on ice perspective, he was unquestionably more impactful than Trevor Segrist. Just if you look at just his raw that, impact. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Well, impact, is, impact's an interesting word there because... Well, that's the word we use for everyone, so... Yeah, fair. Okay. Um, and anyway, then and Sam, Car- Sam Carrick. Oh, that's where you went with that. Okay. Sam Carrick was great this year. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he carved out a niche for himself. He oh, that's himself. something that happened. Sam what? Carrick has been, ext- uh, been given a two-year extension. Oh, yeah. I guess we haven't talked about it on a podcast no, yet. No, no. Yeah. That just hit me. Two-year extension, 850 k a year. I mean, nothing really noteworthy about the deal itself other than that it's great value for a guy who... I mean, there's no term on it. It's just two years. And it's a guy who's giving you positive value and who's going to be a positive value asset at that number. I mean, that's yeah, and kind of that, everything you want. Well, and I think this is a great indication because this is uh, this was Verbeek's first contract that he gave out. Yeah. And, and he did not whiff on it. And and, did, and and by the way, this was the kind of contract that uh, his predecessor routinely whiffed on. It, it could have been three years. Of, it could have been the Derek Grant deal if it was his predecessor, to be honest. Yep, exactly. But um, yeah, so I mean, this is a perfect deal. And granted, like it's a small deal. It's not one that's going to necessarily win the Ducks a cup. But I think if you're trying to uh, look at this long-term, it shows that Verbeek knows what he's doing from a contract perspective. Yeah, and also, I mean, you, you said it's not going to win them a cup, sure, but 
you can lose a cup by by messing these contracts up by giving Derek Grant one and a half million for three years, right? Or by just giving random players no trade clauses, right? giving Chris Tanev or not Chris, Brandon Tanev eight years. Wasn't that something that happened? Sure. Like the the whole point though is just that they did not mess this up. They retained flexibility. Yeah. Don't overpay your depth, guys. Is is the whole idea? Um, and then I think the other big positive for me from a veteran perspective, I thought Cam Fowler was great again this year, very quietly. Oh, yeah. But believe he set a career high in points this year, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, I mean, just a productive season, very good on the ice, very impactful, was good on the power play. And so just if you look at the totality here, and also Anthony Stoller is good. So if you look at the totality here. Uh, yeah, career high in, for, in points. First 40-plus yeah. point season for him since his rookie year. In 2010-2011. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you look at the overall picture here, there's a lot of guys who are really important to this team who either met expectations or, or far surpassed them. And so that's that's really, really encouraging moving forward. Yep. Okay. Now the flowers have been handed out. What's the opposite of flowers? Coal? Handing out coal? Um, turds? I guess just your biggest disappointments from this season. Just the things that really stick out to you. Uh, that you are not happy with or that you're you want to critique Dallas Hakins. I think that is number one, isn't it? That that is number one. The fact that we went an entire season and did never or only for one single game got Milano Zegris Terry. Um and <laughs> I like how, that, I like I like how that's the <laughs> Well that just yeah. I but that kind of goes to show, right? It's that a, it's a microcosm. Yeah. That one game that they played in they had a ninety percent expected goals four percentage. Mm-hmm. Like that just goes to show how good they oh, were. Apparently, Mike Smith is looking terrible right now. Oh, he, by the he way. did. He allowed a god awful goal. I have the game on another computer. Oh, oh thanks for paying attention to us. Yeah, I know it's three as to I, two. As I'm the one who brought that up. Yeah, um, but I, I think just the lineup that he would put together on a nightly basis, the usage that he did, the fact that he was micromanaging everything that Trevor Zegers would do on the ice, like and the, and the late game tactics to me stick out the most. Well, yeah, the ducks were playing for ties. Let, let's, let's call us a, a spade a spade. Who is the team we were talking about on the Patreon show this weekend? That a team that just basically stacked up overtime points. Dallas. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, and it's funny because today I was listening to the PDO cast and they were talking about the Dallas stars and their gripes with Rick bonus and I was like, man, this sounds a lot like a coach that I watch all the time, Dallas mm-hmm. Aikens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that it's that safe hockey mindset, and that was a big, ultimately the safe way ended up being the the way that really cost the Ducks points in the standings when when their season was still kind of in that competitive portion. Like hell, we probably it was probably about what a quarter to a half of the season, I probably almost a half. Trevor Zegers had either Derek Grant or Nick Delorey on his wing. Yeah. Like, just those types of decisions, right, that that just don't make any sense. And if any other coach had made those types of decisions, they would just be ran out the building. And, it, like, what if Patrick Kane had Nick Delorier on his line? Right. right. Like, just, like, putting it as bluntly as that. Like, Yeah, but, yeah, but Jake, come on. Dallas Higgins has been dealt a tough hand. We, we don't know what kind of – we can't have any idea what kind of coach he is yet. Yeah. Because, because he's been dealt a tough hand. Yeah. So, to <laughs> me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I think that's that's a big one. And then from a from a oh, there's another thing I wanted to point out regarding coaching. The power play. So you got a lot of flack for this on Twitter, but yeah, I, I did. I, I back you on this. First off, well, people, people can't read what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, like here's the thing. The the power play this past season was not 
as dangerous as last year. Even if you look at, even though the goals show that they scored more goals and they were more effective, which is the correct term, they were a more effective power play this year than last year because they scored more. Yeah. But from the perspective of is that effectiveness sustainable? Was there actually backing behind that for this to continue? Or was it just a little bit of smoke and mirrors and shooting percentage? And by when you look at the underlying metrics, you can see that the Ducks produced less expected goals four per 60 this year on the power play than last year's horrendous, god-awful power play. And so when you see that and you look at the two goals four numbers over that time, you can see that last year there was a lot of just poor shooting luck. Whereas this year, it was maybe a little bit more. Maybe having a little bit of better finishers also helps on that. But... The reality of this power play is it's in between the 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 efficiency that you saw last year and this year, and I think that's what a lot of people are well, missing it, in this. In terms is of that, generating off, in terms of generating goals, wasn't it worse than last yeah, year? Yeah, it was worse. Yeah, yeah. So I think I said that. Maybe I, I maybe I misspoke. Well, just to just to highlight it once more, they were worse, and so. Yeah, that's concerning. And you know, now it was announced today that all the Ducks assistant coaches are going to be back, and. They got a lot of praise for the work that they did, and to their credit, the power play did produce, but it felt really, especially as the season wore on, that I don't really know if they, I don't really know what they were trying to do. Like this kind of even split between the two units, Derek Grant appearances, Isaac Lundestrom appearances, Jakob Silverberg, it's just, it was a little odd what was going on there. Okay. Well, yeah, and you also have Hampus Lindholm uh, on the power play experiment for so long, and you saw it tonight actually in the Bruins game where he was yeah. on the power play and just nothing yeah. happened. So here's the numbers, just so everyone knows. 2020-2021 mm-hmm. uh, season, the Ducks put up 2.97 goals, 4 per 60, so purely goals. Mm-hmm. And they had 6.56 expected goals, 4 per 60, 13.2 unblocked shot attempts uh, per 60. Um uh, or sorry, that was the wrong. I don't know what I was looking at there. Uh, 71.22 unblocked shot attempts per 60. Fenwick four per 60. Um, this season, 21-22, goals for per 60. So a significant <laughs> jump from 2.97 to 7.59. Yeah, more than double. Expected goals for though went from 6.56 to 5.8. Unblocked shot attempts went from 71.22 to 65.4. So the, in, the in biggest F- difference, mm-hmm. shooting percentage, 6% last year, 16% this year. Yeah, so there's going to be – there's some critiques you could say there about, well, how well do public models capture power play efficiency and passing data and all of that. And sure, that could be true, but I think there there's no there's no way to finesse shooting percentage, right? The fact that they went from 6 to 16 – is more likely to be about well, variance than anything else. L- let me just put it like this for everyone out there, right? Look at Max Comtois' season last year to this year. Mm-hmm. And as I've kind of laid it out there a bunch, right? You look at a lot of the underlying metrics. There's not a huge difference okay. between the two seasons. For, from, for him? From an on-ice perspective. At least last time I looked. It's been a while since I looked. Yeah. Okay. Has, there, has there been a big change? He was, he was bad this year. I mean, he wasn't a positive impact in anything this year. Well, no, but my point here is that that's not any different than he was last year. No, he was good offensively last year. Okay, maybe I'll... Regardless... <laughs> Back the point off of, this one. <laughs> the, the point of everything I'm trying to say here is that the regression could have been seen in the pure goals perspective because mm-hmm. of you looked at his shooting percentage last year and you're like, there's no way he's going to shoot 20% moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's the same concept here is that 
There was no way the Ducks were going to continue to shoot 6% on the power play. That mm-hmm. just wasn't going to happen. So there was going to be this regression to the mean, which was what happened this year, and the Ducks shot 16%. The reality of the situation is the power play is actually somewhere in between that. And mm-hmm. the one thing I just want to get ahead here is that when they are not as effective on the power play from a goal-scoring perspective next year, the question shouldn't be what happened to the strategy, what changed, all this different type of stuff, when in reality, the power play this year wasn't that much different from a generation perspective mm-hmm. between the two seasons. And so it's not as if there was this drastic step in on-ice play. And I think that's yeah. the biggest takeaway here. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility they figure some things out and improve. And that that expected number comes up. But yeah, like the trend does not appear to, to be in that direction. Yeah. So anyway, coaching, I don't think was a strength for this team this year. I think we yeah. can say that pretty confidently. And then the other thing I just want to point out that was disappointing that you brought up already, but Max Contois just, just wasn't good this year. I mean, there's really, I struggle to find anything this year that kind of shows him in a positive light. I mean, from the on just the on ice impact, RAPM model, evolving hockey, just a negative value in everything, right? And that's not what you want to see because last year he showed significant steps in that regard. Even though he was poor defensively, he really showed that he can have a positive impact offensively. And if you look, if you look at his tracking data this year, just really not that involved at all. I mean, he was just he was just bad. I don't know how else to say it. It's unfortunate. He was really only good at getting shots off the rush this year and and I mean picking up some some rebounds but that's really it and I think moving forward I'm just really curious to see what the what the coaching staff is going to do with him because one one of the the reasons I was kind of optimistic about Contois not getting traded at the trade deadline was well you know Aikens might not even be back next year anyway and if he isn't new coach things will will turn around now it's the same coaching staff same kind of priors how are they going to deal with him how are they going to because I feel like they can't do to him this year what they did to him sorry they can't do to him next year what they did to him this year which is when he's struggling to just either scratch him or throwing throw him down onto the fourth line like at some point you got to teach him how to play you got to let him try to work through his mistakes as opposed to mistake punishment and take out of lineup like that pattern has to break because clearly it didn't make him a better player this year it did not yeah. help and and you know he's not He's not a Jamie Drysdale. He's not a Trevor Zegras. He's not. He's not one of these first round guys who you're you're really banking on being good. But he he was a guy who showed you promise. He was a guy who showed that he could potentially be a top six contributor. And it would be a shame to kind of lose that completely. And yep. I do. Th- and I do think that this year in particular, maybe I'm I'm being too kind to him because he wasn't good. But and is it, it just it just feels like he was a victim of his environment a lot more than just his own play in my opinion yep, there was definitely. there were there were a lot of flaws in his game that that had been there that kind of reared their ugly heads but that's the coach's job is to make guys better and they didn't they did not do that whatsoever with him yep all right anything else nope that's it for all me. right so the oilers just tied up this game actually so it's been a really fun game so felix i got a question though for you with the 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 playoffs going on it's actually been really fun so are you growing out your playoff beard oh uh yes let's go with yes so you can let that thing uh loose up up top felix 
But our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a Jumbo Joe downstairs. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoff season. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. So, Felix, shaving your balls starts with the perfect package for your perfect package. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. Hide your beard trimmers because tis the season for ball trimmers. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer leads the Performance Package 4.0 and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced safe skin technology. Advanced skin safe technology. And, Felix, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit more about the Lawnmower 4.0? Yeah, so the lawnmower 4.0 it is waterproof, and so you can get you can get your business done in the shower with no issue, with no effect on the technology. It also has a 400k LED spotlight, so if you need to be more precise while you're shaving, they have you covered there. You can check your pubes into the boards with ease this summer. And the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer uh, is also included in the package. It's also waterproof and has skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs. And for your backline defense against chafing, Manscaped has ball deodorant and spray-on toner to keep the boys loose and ready for battle. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your uh, keep your balls sticking to your legs from end to end. Uh, no one will be chirping you anymore for having smelly balls. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts uh, that will give your balls a boost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel travel bag to keep all your gear stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your chow game to the next level. The boys will be buzzing with the Stanley Cup. this Stanley Cup lineup from manscaped so you can get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code ctp at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with code ctp at manscaped.com don't be a goon fighting your bush with the wrong trimmer choose the right tools for the job this playoff season with manscaped there you go you go check them out it is it's the best time of the year round one of the stanley cup playoffs I this like really this, is and i feel like this year in particular the first oh, the round staggered the staggered well there's that yeah what, what, are we, what are we i don't know what's this look i'm getting from you oh no there is no look i thought that's where okay. you're going and i completely misread the situation no well it's just it's the it's the matchups themselves it's the fact that so many of these are so close there aren't really that many obvious you know bulldozer type rounds it never matchups so it's going to be cool i'm excited yeah. for it and i mean today was the first day of it and the staggered start times have been amazing I mean, yeah, it's th- so this nice. year, it, it it definitely was an ESPN push or maybe a Turner push. Who knows? One of the two. But, I mean, you would expect it was ESPN with it being on ESPN and ESPN, and ESPN 2. Um, well, and, they, well, well, they do that for the NBA, which they, they, they well, have the rights to. So well, it makes sense. And, and it makes even more sense in hockey when you're dealing with intermissions every 30 to 45 minutes. And so when one game's an intermission, you know what you do? You can flip the channel and watch another game that's, going. That's exactly what I did today. Yeah. That yeah, that it like I've legitimately had hockey on since I got home at six p.m. Same. It, it's it's been glorious. I haven't had to watch any intermission. I haven't heard had to listen to Mark Messier talk about passion for the game or anything like that. Honestly, or, or I Chris love Mark Messier. Chris Chelios is kind of funny, but I honestly didn't. I saw like a minute of it, so I'll take that back. I saw one minute, and okay. I was like, "Oh, changing the channel." 
Not that it was bad. It's just like, eh. Well, Messi just doesn't really say anything, which is kind of frustrating. But Chelios tries at least. Yeah. Okay. So bringing it back to the Ducks, though, we have all summer to talk about this. But just right now, your feel for what comes next. What What's the next order of business here? What, what happens this summer for the Ducks? I think, it, I think it's a massive summer. I think there there's a bunch of things. Pat Verbeek had said around the deadline, more or less, that it probably will be an active offseason. That he wants to he wants to bring in right guy veteran guys and bigger guys to support his guys. He also even said, I need to bring in speed guys and skilled guys to support my, uh, my more skilled players. Mm-hmm. And... All of that makes me think that this is going to be a very active offseason for the Ducks. And you also factor in, we, we've mentioned this a lot. The broadcast a lot of times is a PR at times situation for the, the Ducks, right? Mm-hmm. They are a PR arm for the Ducks. Brian Hayward made it pretty clear in the bro- the last couple of broadcasts that the Ducks are going to have a completely reshaped team next year. That is not said if he is not getting word that they're going to look to be very active this offseason. And basically it said this is going to be a very exciting offseason for Ducks fans. So what do you think that looks like, though? Because I think that everyone that pays attention to the Ducks kind of has an idea that that will happen. But how do you actually make that a reality if you're Pat Verbeek? Like, do you, how much of it is guys that are currently on the roster being shipped out? Like, how many of these guys? Because I, I, I think on Twitter I said... Yep. I would set the over-under at number of players being gone at five and a half. And I think in hindsight, I should probably move that up to six and a half to make it more challenging. Yep. But here are some names. I mean, like Max Coltois, for example. Is he back with the Ducks next year? I think there's a chance he's not mm-hmm. right now. Zach Aston reese is he back? I think there's a chance he's not. He, he Or he could be. Who knows? Derek Grant has one year left on his deal. Does he Is he part of this team's plans? Is, does Pat Verbeek see him in that way? Uh, good old Jerry Mayhew. Is a UFA. I, I very curious to see if he's back. Dominic Simone, Vinny Letary, both UFAs. Andre Schuster is a UFA, right? So there's pieces here that are kind of. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of those guys are kind of roster filler, but still, there is going to be some movement. I think all those guys could feasibly be gone. Maybe Contois gets dealt in a hockey trade, right? So I mean, now what's your feel for that? How? How how deep into the in, into kind of the the surgery here will will Verbeek get on this roster? You want to know my prediction? You put that out there of over under five and a half of how many players are moved. I mean, you're. It sounds like you're taking the over. I'm smashing that over because I think oh, it's ten. I I want. Oh crap! I think I I should have said it at higher because John Gibson is in there as well. Yep. You're saying I'm, ten. I'm saying ten? ten. Oh my god! Who are the ten? So I'm just going to go ahead and say all the UFAs are gone. Maybe they bring back Zach Aston Reek. Maybe they bring back Dominic Simone. I think they're fine fourth liners, but I don't think they're really anything like it. They didn't show anything. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think all the UFAs are gone. Uh, um, okay. Schuster's not back. Letary won't. That's that's uh, a shame, by the way, Andre Schuster. I grew to appreciate his photography. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it, make him the seventh defenseman then. Have him be back. He's the seventh D-man just for the photography. Um, <laughs> so that's one, two, three, four, five. That's six. Mm-hmm. Right? Assuming, including Getzloff in that. Oh, well, that's, I mean, okay. Okay. Sure. Do you, oh, no, cause he, no, your thing was playing in the game. So Getzloff didn't play, so that doesn't count. So yeah. there's five. Then I think John Gibson is traded this offseason. Okay, so, wow. Okay, so you have Gibson, but we're still trying to get to 10, so you're at 6. I think uh, Simon Benoit played his last game as a duck. Really? I 
Yeah, I not that I don't know if he's going to be traded or not. I just don't know if he's on this team next year. Interesting. I, like, like as, I think, as in he makes the team. Yeah, I I think he could potentially be in the AHL next year. Well, he's an RFA. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't completely matter. Like they with him. could just not qualify him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did he really show that much this year? Like, I know it's a great story, and his numbers were not terrible, but. Did he show enough to think, okay, this guy has to be in the lineup? I, I feel like Earl Vakanainen is kind of that guy. Is kind of a Verbeek guy, right? Yeah. He brought him in, part of the Lindholm deal. Okay, so I think we're at seven. Yeah. Um, Did not think Simon Benoit would be a casualty here of your uh, of your picks, but anyway, continue. Uh, Derek Grant. Is that wishful thinking? Yes. Okay, okay. I, I fully... I, I, I'm just glad you admit it, yeah. Yeah, fully admit that. Um... I think I did Max Comtois in no, that you count. Didn't. I don't think you did. He, you said all UFAs. No, 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 no. But now I'm getting into the non-UFAs. Okay, okay. Si- Simon Benoit was not one. Uh, Max Comtois was not one. I think that, uh, yeah. Uh, so what is that? That's nine that I'm at? Well, now you just completely confused me. I'm so at nine, I think. Okay. I, five. I had the five plus Gibson mm-hmm. plus Comtois so plus Grant. Eight. Plus Benoit. Nine. So the 10th, uh, let's go. Who was I? Oh, uh, let's go with Kevin Chattenkirk getting traded in the offseason. I don't rem- I don't remember if that was the one I was thinking or not. I honestly can't remember who the 10th one was it's, at this point. But still, there's it's nine. Funny, it's funny because I've been one of those guys of, oh, Sam Steele isn't that bad train. But the the aggregate of his season is not that compelling. It may, it may have been Sam Steele then. I could see the ducks just not qualifying him because honestly, like if, if Beverbeek really wants to reshape this roster, do you think he's looking at Sam Steele thinking, Hey, that's a guy that we have to kind of keep on. I mean, I feel like he's, he's kind of shown he is what he's going to be in the NHL. I could see him being on, or I could see him being back. He's just as roster filler. Wow. So 10, 10 is a lot. Ten yeah. is a big ten is a big number. You know, sometimes you got to go big or go home. And I think, I think Pat Verbeek's going to go big. I think the Gibson piece is interesting, and that's yeah. something. But here's my thing, though, and because I I'm writing about this right now, and my whole thing is, well, do the Ducks really want to be better next year? You know, the 23 draft is supposed to be an all timer, right? Connor Bedard is a generational talent, but it's not just him. It's not just the Bedard draft. There's there's other talent. And so part of me is, well, why do they want to push for next season? But then thought about it a little bit more, and I thought about it this way. Trevor Zegers in the last year of his ELC, and Troy Terry is in the last year of his crazy team-friendly deal. Those two guys combined are costing the Ducks about $2.7 million in terms of cap hit. I feel like now is the time to take advantage of that because that is going to massively change a year after next year, right? Mm-hmm. The season after next. And well, so I, I also now, just th- now is the time to leverage that. I also just think that you've had this massive year from Zegers and, and, and Terry. Mm-hmm. You don't want to essentially have them feel like that's going unrewarded in some ways. And maybe that's too much like... Yeah, that is that is a bit. That's okay. It, but like, if you can make it work, because essentially Verbeek has gone out there and said that, hey, I'm looking for these specific type of guys. And if you can find those guys that fit the timeline that you're looking at, why not build? Because that's the thing. He said that they're in the middle of a rebuild. Which means he's in the building phase, right? This is not the tear it down phase. As much as, just, as, yeah. as much as people want to think that this was the quote-unquote tear it down because they traded Lindholm, Manson, Raquel, 
That was just trading away your UFAs because you're not making the playoffs and you can't come to a deal on them that you like. So mm-hmm. you're moving them for future assets. This mm-hmm. is the build of that, though. Sure. I guess my question is just how far... I guess there to me, there's a fine line between you want to build and be better and also kind of overextend yourself and give out too much money and build a Correct. team that and just build a team that's mediocre, right? Correct. And just Correct. and just kind of marry yourself to mediocrity as so many well, teams do. If they end up moving out all these guys that we said, right? The team gets better. I mean, well, none, none not of only these guys that, are difference makers. You went the a different way than I was going to go. Okay. They have to get money to hit the salary cap floor. Right. Like that's a like if they trade out Gibson? Yeah. Like without John Gibson on this team this season, uh, let's see. Their cap hit would have been sixty-four million. Yeah, and the floor is what sixty. Yeah, so they're just and it's gonna get floor. even less next year because they no longer have. They're losing also Ryan Kessler's contract. So there's twelve million if they move Gibson and Kessler off the books. They're underneath the salary cap floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think Silverberg right now is he counting against the cap? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No okay. one's on LTIR because the Ducks weren't close to the cap. Yeah, so I think that it's well and good that they want to get better next year, but I just I'm a little I'm a little reluctant to kind of get fully on board with that because I feel like again it's what we've been talking about the last couple of years, which is you got to be careful with what yeah. you spend, well, how you I'm, do it. I don't know if it's all going to be free agency. I think there's going to be a lot of trades, and I think that yeah. he, that Pat Verbeek was very specific with getting second round picks to then go and move those for other guys, whether that's a Travis Sanheim. Whether that is end up being a Jacob Chicken, whether it, who knows what it could be, but, but those, even then, that I mean, mold. I mean, but even then, you know, spending all that draft capital that you accumulated to bring in these guys that maybe don't move the needle quite as much, like that to me is still kind of a whiff. And so I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, it just it depends on the deal, right? And it's making sure it's the right deal. That that's yeah, the key like part. To in me, all of this. the number one thing is I don't think Jacob Chicken is worth the price for the Ducks. I'm that, slowly coming to that that opinion also. Yeah, I just don't think he's worth it. I think that it's just crazy what's being asked, you know, like the kind of Jack Eichel return, basically. And I just, I think it's not in the Ducks' best interest to to make that deal. Even though Chickren is a good player, even though he isn't a good deal, it just feels like a lot for one player who, yeah, makes you better, but doesn't completely change your fortunes. Like when you're spending that much, you kind of want to get a guy who moves the ball downfield a little bit further. So Yep. All right. So, so let's so get, yeah, let's it'll get be through interesting. Let's get through these questions, and then we can all watch the third period of the Kings-Oilers game because it is insane. Let's both um, throw. Uh, yeah. So we're going to start with our Discord. Uh, anyone who wants to support us in any way, I'd say the best way you can do it or best bang for your buck is our Patreon. At $1 a month, you get access to our Discord, which is, let's just be honest, the best place to talk Ducks hockey or just hockey in general on the internet. Like, I, I don't I don't really think I'm even being hyperbolic there. It's just such a warm, welcoming community of people that yeah. have become there. And so go do that, and then you can get ask us questions, and we'll get to those first on here. But Olaf is uh, – sorry, JJ Stone Drum says, over under on three and a half Michigan goals for Zegers next season. What do you have this year, two? Yeah. So more than double, basically, is if I'm taking the over. Yeah. Or, or double if I'm taking the over. Yeah, over. I'll go under. I'll say what? three. I'll say three cowardly okay i was uh, i was expecting you to take the over anyway Carry no because people are going to defend it more so he's going to figure out ways to get around it with the with passes and stuff it's, like that it's pretty hard to defend but anyway yeah uh let's see fur deducts oh, salem, salem appearance salem has been going crazy because monica just opened the door 
Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Furtive Ducks asks, what percentage of John Gibson's post-trade games against the Ducks will be shutouts? Ooh, uh, not that many. Not. I'm going to say 8%. So, like, maybe one game if he goes to the East, Eastern Conference? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Ducks are probably going to be a high-scoring team. Yeah. Uh, Ferdinand says, what's the story with our goalies in that Dallas game? Both were seemingly healthy, healthy enough to finish their respective periods, but couldn't return for the next period. I want to hear your best conspiracy theories on what happened. Uh, well, first off, what are the facts here? So I think Stolarz was actually hurt. Stolarz was lower body injury. Gibson was upper body injury. And yeah, I mean, supposedly I- what Tom Hodges said is that Gibson like really couldn't walk or not Gibson. Uh, Stolarz couldn't really walk. Yeah, and you saw that you saw Gibson in the hallway in the videos of of And Hodges. you saw Stolarz also. Yeah, I mean, guys don't come out if they can still play. Yeah. Um I mean, I've made my my e-bug takes known on our Patreon. Yeah, Not go re- go hear that if you want to hear the buzzkill that Felix is. Not going to rehash that here. Uh conspiracy theories, let's go with uh they sure. all were they were poisoned by Tom Hodges cuz he wanted to get his NHL moment. I'll just say uh, bad, bad food in the uh, pregame catering, and had a double double Luongo incident. There you go. Uh, Shaken Wing says, "Who is further along in their rebuild, Montreal or Anaheim?" Mm, I mean, <laughs> I wish it, I could say it, the Habs, but it's, it's easily the Ducks. It's the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, Cole Caulfield tied Zegers and goals. In half SP, a season, basically. SP84 says, it's a very NHL-NFL thing to package both first and trade up, but if the team picking sixth or seventh is open to accepting 10 and Boston's first, in addition to a mid-round pick next season, are you opposed to making that move if you can get a player that is in the second tiers as opposed to waiting for a player in the third or fourth and fourth slash fifth tiers to fall to both the uh, of the Ducks firsts? That seems like a lot to move up five spots. 100%. Spots. And, and yeah. here's my thing. 10th to 6th isn't that big of a jump in this draft. This draft is very similar to, I think, like the Zegers draft where there's a group of, there's the the top couple, two or three players, and then there's like seven players, it seems like, where you could have a guy, one person that ranks uh, Slavkovsky third, and someone else has him 10th. Mm-hmm. And right. someone has Brad Lambert fourth, someone else has him 12th. Yeah. So it's kind of all over the place where, I would rather not spend the additional assets and just see who's available. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, JJ, unless you can pa- trade up to first. Mm-hmm. If you can get up into that first tier of, of basically Shane Wright or it seems like Logan Cooley are the two big ones. Yeah. Um, so JJ Stone Drum says, hot take I'd like you guys to discuss. The 100 plus favor, uh, flavor Coke freestyle soda machines are always way worse than a classic soda fountain. I have no opinion on that. Uh, he is correct. Okay. The soda just always ends up being... It's too It's too many things. I, I don't need the option for an orange Coke. I've never had just straight Coke. Wait. <laughs> Wait. I've had Coke in, in mixed drinks. Wait. I, <laughs> haven't I, have I not told you this? I know you've said you're not the biggest soda person. I've never I don't... had I've, I've never had I've never had straight Coke, never had straight Ooh. Pepsi. What Dr. sodas Pepper. have you had? Straight. Just orange soda. Or and like Sprite slash what's the other one? Um what, what? 
Our Discord's kind of been a bit quiet today. It's now blowing up. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm fine with like my my life has turned out great uh, despite this lack of, of soda. So or specific sodas. I You've say. never gone to McDonald's and wanted a Coke. No, because I've never had one. So I don't have the. It's not in my head. There's nothing to desire because I. What never do you had get it. to drink at? What do you get to drink at McDonald's? Uh, usually water, water cup, free. Their dollars are a dollar. Their sodas are a dollar. When I go to In and Out, I get pink lemonade. Is I that know that's a, that. That's a fair take. Their pink lemonade's very good. Yeah. Okay. But like. <laughs> I'm getting some pushback here. You you didn't, 100% are. Did, didn't think this is where it was going to land. This might be your most controversial take. Why am I not getting congratulated? Like, hey, you know, this is a healthy choice. Good for you. Not that I'm that healthy in general. But Lou, Lewis says his eye is twitching from you. <sighs> That's funny. That is funny. Um, SB Bruin says, what do we do with Shattenkirk? He was our worst D the back half of the year. Total tire fire on our zone. I mean, I'm not going to even – I will go further. He was not good at all this season. He was good on the power play. I think you can say that. All right, fair. Fair. He was, he was good not good play, at five but, on five. But, but he was he was terrible at five on five. And, I mean, that's the most important thing. And I with mean – With a D you, man, you're trying to play a bunch of minutes. So – you ride out the last year of Azeel, throw him on the power play, and hopefully boost his points and trade him at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you, you try to trade him, whether it's in the summer or at, by the deadline. But the, what what else is the point of, of keeping him around? So, yeah. Um, that guy Bobsky said, question, Jake and Felix, have either of you tried the Little Debbie Treat ice cream line? No. I have no idea what this is. I don't and know he said, what that is. He said, if so, which one is your favorite? All right. Don't. I'm gonna do a little Google search. Oh my god! Little I thought Debbie. we were blitzing through these. Oh, it's like tubs of ice cream. Okay. They sell like it looks like it's specialty type ice cream. They have Nutty Bar, Zebra Cakes, Cosmic Brownie, Oatmeal Pie. Yeah, no, I haven't, but I'm intrigued. Let's go with that. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I'm not intrigued. Oh, it's exclusive to Walmart. I mean, I'm sorry. This is not. Yeah, I was about to say this. You this call may me elitist. Go for this it. This may be considered elitist. I can't remember the last time I would have gone to a Walmart. Call me an elitist. I get called it every day nowadays. So. Well, yeah, that's because you are elitist with your fast food takes. Yeah, I am with my overall food takes as well as I'm learning. Anyway, yeah, Casey asks, what returning veteran slash older player are you most excited to see on the Ducks next year? Like a guy who you mostly know what to expect from, but think could have a bit of a career resurgence a la Henrique this year. Ooh, well, yeah, I was going to, my mind was already going towards uh, Adam Henrique there. So who's a veteran who can bounce back next year, essentially? I mean, in a weird way, I'd be curious to see what Kevin Shattenkirk would yeah. look like on a, on a better Ducks team. So I'll go with him, Kevin Shattenkirk. All right. And they also said for the shit show portion of the show, and we're, we'll just do it right now, Youngstown, Alberta. What about it? Just wants us to, Casey wants us to look it up. Oh God! There, there's a back in time museum and antiques. Okay. Oh, where is this, by the way? Yeah, that's that's the first thing you got to look at. Uh, uh it's 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 kind of in the middle of nowhere between Edmonton and Calgary. There's just not a lot here. Yeah, there's but there's not a lot. Yeah, back in time museum and antiques. What there are the pictures a, like? There is a motel and RV park. This place go. looks really 
weird. There's a there's a place that's called Playground. There, it's literally called Playground. There's, there's no the, other there, no 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 other description. There there's and, the fuel buddy. Oh, there are no. Uh, you can't do Street View. Oh, here that's uh, that that's a nice little touch. Let's see. Oh, this this playground uh, looks very dire. There's tires there. There's Bill's building, which has again no reviews, no feedback, nothing. I kind of want to call these numbers and just. Did the antique store have any reviews? Oh, it does. Great place to learn about all things Youngstown, Saskatchewan. Amazing collections from music, history, Wait, to motorcycles. Wait, is this in Saskatchewan or or Alberta? Oh, this person just forgot what province they were in. Wow, that <laughs> wow. Jeez, Youngs, what, yeah. what do they what do they put in the the, the liquor? In? Yeah, amazing collections from music history to motorcycle. Ask David and take the tour through multiple buildings and archives. Okay, multiple buildings. This is this is a big place in in, in Youngstown. I, I feel like that's. Is that kind of like the review flex is when you put ask so-and-so on a first-name basis? I mean, here you go. I love their personal touch that Jennifer and David given a tour going through the buildings. To see everything you will need, uh, need two hours. What? To see everything you will need, and they will personally guide you through the four buildings in town. Mm. These are two people who live in a small town with a large antiques collection. The passion really shows through every inch of the spaces. The passion of the owners reminds me of 60s personality, free-spirited, colorful, and fun-loving motorcycle people. Most mm. of the antiques are various pieces of time, are of various pieces of time in North American history. The collection res- uh, revolves around their bikes, with many other unique antiques placed throughout they have put in a large part of their lives into these amazing collections and have stories to go with everything wow, we need to I'm get sold. in contact with uh jennifer and yeah. and uh and david get him on the show yeah get him yeah. on the show as i watch mcdavid doing mcdavid things yeah he is game. stupid all yeah. right back to questions uh <laughs> let's see um lewis asks what are three positives ducks fan can take away from this season the verbuild is on Zegers yeah. and Terry are fun, and Drysdale yeah. improved. Yeah, and Milano. Yeah. Uh, that guy, Bobsky, said, what jersey numbers do you guys wear and why? Ooh. Well, you wear two, which is yeah. confusing because you play forward. Well, the reason I wear two is because I played second base as a kid, and so I always liked wearing two. Is two a second baseman's number? Yes. Oh, two zero kings. There you go. Speaking of number two. It What? Yeah. They just scored. It's Am three I behind three. Yeah, it's three to three. How far behind am I? You're in the the game's in the second intermission. Oh, it's because oh, YouTube TV saved where I was last yeah. time I was watching. YouTube oh. TV is fantastic. That's a good feature. It wow, is. Wow, I am so behind then. <laughs> yeah, that is really embarrassing. <laughs> now you oh, get why God. I was so confused. Okay, I'm number nine <laughs> because uh, homage homage to the rocket, and also that's my playing style. Yeah, Rocket. number two. Number two is a second baseman number. Adam Kennedy wore it on the Ducks when I was a kid, or on the Angels. On the when Ducks, I was a kid. on there the Ducks. Go. On now the we're Ducks. even. Now yeah. we're even. <laughs> um, okay. App AG said, "Who is your next jersey amongst current active players in on non-Ducks teams?" Why might be? Why is there a call to cancel me yet, yet again in our chat? I'm so confused. Um, okay, <laughs> next jersey amongst current active players on a non-Ducks team. So for you, that's easy. Yeah, I need I need to get a Caulfield jersey at some point. I'd want to get a Matthews jersey. Interesting. I mean, if I were to pick someone not on my favorite team, I mean, I can't pick the anyone on the Leafs. 
I don't know. But you, I mean, you want Austin Matthews to end up on the Coyotes to be able to get a Matthews Coyotes jersey. No, that I don't. I do not care That's about. That's what you do. Uh, Skippy with peanut butter said most underrated fast food joint. Underrated, huh? Jack in the Box. That's that's just trash. There's no. They're, they're not rated. You're proving my. You're you are proving my point right it's now. It's not underrated. It's just. You, it's so bad. You are proving my point right now. Uh, what is underrated fast food? I don't know. I only go to In and Out. Wiener Schnitzel also underrated. Their corn dogs are great. Actually, that's that's not a terrible take from you. Hey, thank you. In a, in, a, in an ocean. In a, in, in a sea, in a galaxy of bad takes. Uh, Skippy, bad Skippy with peanut butter also asks, what kind of return would you guys want to see from a Gibson trade? Assuming he convinced another GM. Uh, assuming uh, Verbeek could convince another GM he's still an elite goalie. I think if you're getting a roster player, you just want someone that's going to fit the team's timeline. I think that's, basically look at the Eichel trade. I mean, do you love the Eichel trade? For, I think if it was for, for Gibson, Buffalo? for Gibson, I would. Sure. Okay. That's Fair my enough. point. Uh, at a, 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 oh, a taco pie. I finally think I understood what that, that is McDonald's was. underrated. No, it's properly rated. Would okay. you rather get, uh, get rid of offsides or icing? Uh, offside. If I had to pay, I don't, I don't really buy into the, you know, remove offside thing, but, uh, definitely icing needs to be in the game because oh. teams shouldn't be able to just clear it out. T-Rex, why are you doing this? His co- question is, you have three contracts that you have to give out. A three-year deal at $7 million a year. An eight-year deal at $2 million a year. And a one-year deal at $10 million. The three players you have to sign are Derek Grant, Nick Delorier, and Jerry Mayhew. Who gets oh which contract? Oh, my God. Hold on, hold on. So one times ten. One times ten. Who gets who gets the one times ten? Uh, who, do you, who you who do you just want out of there? I mean, the best player of those three is probably Derek Grant. I I mean, I might say Jerry May, who's better than Derek Grant. Okay, so one one times ten is Nick Delorier. Okay, just because you want him out. Okay, yeah. one times ten, and then eight times two, Jerry Mayhew. And then who? What was the other one? Three times seven. Derek Grant. Oh, God. <laughs> Three more years of him. <laughs> what is this? What is this? $25 million between Jerry Mayhew, Nick Delore, and Derek Grant. Our chat is like, Jake is legitimately stumped. By the way, this is the most stumped I've been. This is sec- like a perfectly niche question for us. It's good. This is this is the kind of th- question we want. Yeah. Um, that second Leafs goal, the Matthews five on three, where they're like passing yeah. it back and forth behind the net, five forwards. Yeah. Just chef's kiss. Five forwards took a timeout to make make sure they were rested and get them back out there instead of putting out a subpar like, I, unit. I really, I really hope that the kind of naysayers of, of our pod and our opinions regarding the Ducks watch these playoffs. Watch what the good teams are doing. Well, this, <laughs> here's the issue. The good teams have to win. Sure, like, but still, like, like, if, if they don't, if they don't, if they position. No, I get that. But if they don't win, then it's more, uh, sure. more fodder for them. Because of basically, see, it doesn't work oh, in the playoffs. That was a nice shot by Teravinen. You're wow. just now commentating on the intermission. So let's <laughs> keep going. Uh, that guy, Bobsky, says, who gets their jersey retired first, Getzloff or Dustin Brown? Getzloff. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Dustin Brown's re- retired. I mean, he's retiring at the end of the season. Are they going to retire his jersey number next year, probably? I don't know. I uh-huh. feel like they're both going to have it retired next year. 
Yeah. Uh, App AG said, Jake, would you take a broadcasting slash analytics gig for the Kings? Yes. Wow. Bad fan. Not really. Bad Ducks fan. Like, it would be awesome. It would be so sick to do to, to do either of those for any NHL team, even if it is the Kings. Right. Doesn't matter. I mean, Felix, I'm, I'm just busting your, your Felix, props. would you take a broadcasting analytics gig for Checks Notes? The Leafs, I guess? Sure. Or the Bruins? Ooh, that's Kemp- tougher. Kempafu said that, and that's the much better one to ask. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, yes, but I'd have. does this mean I have to work with Jack Edwards? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, Green Bastard said, for how much do the Ducks sign Jack Kopaka this summer? The Patreon question has wor- wormed its way into this uh Zero dollars. Zero dollars. All right. So, Twitch, get your questions coming in now. Um, I'm going to – we got one question from uh, Twitter and one from email that we'll get to, and then we'll get to all the Twitch questions, and then we will wrap this bad boy up so we got this question from infamous Sparkman again uh sent me an email said will vegas inquire about john gibson with the reputation of acquiring stars if they somehow get rid of leonard or leonard uh negative value goes to the ducks uh i could see that but would john gibson want to go to the vegas golden knights at this point i think so jack eichel he wants to win yeah, yeah, the, the, they can be the two fellow disgruntled American stars on the same team. Has Josh Maher proven himself at the NHL level because he wasn't sent to the goals with Benoit? Uh, no, it's because he's not he's not waiver exempt. Benoit is. That's yeah. the biggest takeaway. And then has Vakanainen solidified a spot in the NHL, or is he in the same boat as Maher and Benoit? I feel like he's above those guys, but he's still kind of a, like I think it could go either way with him. And then he also asked, "What are your favorite play by play commentators for NHL games?" Ooh. My favorite, anal- my favorite analyst is Mike Johnson. Well, no, but he asked for play by play. I know. I'm just saying that because I want to. You're answering that. a different question. I know. That wasn't asked. Um, I know. Okay. Play by play. I mean, I think John Forslund is, of course, great. The I'm blanking on his name. The play by play guy for LA. Oh, Alex Faust. Alex Faust is very good. Um, I think that the TSN regional broadcaster for the Canadians is really good. Brian Mudrick. Gord Miller's good. Gord Miller's a legend. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of talent out there. Yep. Um, we got this question from Sean Seabolt. said, question of the pod, which one of the players traded at the de- deadline has played the best since leaving oh, the Ducks? I actually wanted to ask you this quickly. Where do you stand on, on Bucci Gross? I like him as a play-by-play guy. Yeah. I same. don't like him as a intermission guy. Yeah, so what I like about him as a play-by-play guy, which kind of hit me tonight, is that he knows hockey. And yeah. so he, he he knows how to describe things in a way that – because ESPN has other guys who just – they're just good broadcasters and they can just kind of do any sport. But he's a hockey guy, so anyway. Yeah, whereas in the intermission, I feel like he kind of gets too much into the narrative streets. And I, yeah, I, I and, think I think his stuff works as a play-by-play guy. It doesn't yeah. work as well as an intermission host. Fair. Um. All right, Sean Siebel had asked a uh, question for the pod. Which one of the players traded at the deadline has played the best since leaving the Ducks? I, I could not answer that. I have not paid attention. I have not really either, but Hampus Lindholm was playing well for the Bruins, so I'll go with him. Okay. Um, 
All right, so now it's time for our Twitch question. So for those of you on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash CrashPond, where you can like, like and subscribe to our videos. Please do that. It actually helps out significantly. Or if you're uh, listening on your favorite podcast services, you all know the bit. Uh, we do a live stream of the show each and every time we do a podcast, typically Mondays at 8 p.m., uh, twitch.tv slash CrashPond, where you can help support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub. Each and every month, you do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days and help support the show more than you can imagine. You get special emotes uh, in the chat, special badges next to your name. So we've got a couple of questions here that I want to get to. What's the first one? Uh, that guy Bobski had asked, question Felix uh, for Felix, Ducks player. which Ducks player do you hate most and why is it Isaac Lundestrom? Don't hate any. Next question. Appa AG said, and question, can we all agree that Pepsi fast food restaurants are garbage tier? I don't know. Don't know what that means. Next Pla question. Places that have Pepsi instead of Coke. Do not care about that. Do not care about that. Zero opinion? No, because I've never I mean, had either. I mean, it's the correct call. No. Places that have Pepsi are not as good as places that have Coke. No opinion. And that is because Taco Bell has Pepsi. No, just next please I tried to i tried to get you uh to get, to, get me to, out of this to agree to that but oh that damn. was a bad goal by mike smith damn um let's see uh there was a question from our good oh this is about uh spencer's question in discord he said it just i'll i'll read this might as well to justify my question even though you guys uh feel paying uh, an additional mid-round pick is too expensive i'm basing this off other uh off of nhl gms often never trading top 10 picks i'm sure it will be easier uh just answer this on draft day but if you are uh see a group of lamberts lafkovsky savoy and geeky and a pick uh five and pick Holy five crap. is one of them sorry what do you McDavid not consider McDavid almost just did the thing again. Am I behind you now? You might be. 1942. Yeah, I'm at 1950. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and then I guess this is more a question for you. Uh, Spencer also asked, did either of you catch the NFL draft? Uh, I, I followed along. I followed a, a stream of it from uh, my favorite NFL coverage. Yeah, it was good. Enjoyable. A lot of dumb picks, a lot of weird things, but enjoyable. And I'll end with this. That guy Bobski asked, and this is, I guess, purely for me then, which is better, Baja Blast or Code Red? There's a lot of Baja Blast love out there, but I don't know really what it's all about. Yeah, I can't remember. the Honestly, I can't remember the last time I would have had Baja Blast because I can't remember the last time I would have had Taco Bell. It would have been five, six years ago. Yeah, are you allowed to go to Taco Bell? Uh, like, I, ha I have actually I have actually been told uh, that uh, I it is blasphemy if I get Taco Bell. Wow, okay. That, well, there you that, go. that I am being a traitor if I do that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, even when the one or two times I'm like, eh, this kind of sounds good. I haven't had this in a very long time. Um, and you know what? Bold take here, regular Mountain Dew is the best Mountain Dew. That, I, that means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm realizing that. Chris Kindred, <laughs> I, I love how like there are just layers from you from time to time that things that you and I have been doing this podcast for what? How many five, years now? Five years. Five years, and there's still things that surprise me about you, Felix. It's nice <laughs> to see. <laughs> I... Thank you. I guess I, this, this feels kind of backhanded, but <laughs> oh, it, it's definitely backhanded. Continue, continue. Uh, let's end with this. Chris Kindred said, "What's a realistic contract for Milano?" And then we'll get on out of here. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. What's the number there? I feel like it's not going to be that 
I mean, I, I'm just – if it were Bob Murray, I would say it's not going to be much of anything. Now that it's Pat Verbeek, I'm curious how he views him, I guess. I could see three-year deal at like three mil. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yep. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us, though, tonight. Wow. Interesting show. Interesting. Did not think uh, you didn't want to do a show tonight. Let, let's uh, lift back the curtain a little bit here. I mean, it's the first night of the playoffs. We're actually taking, I think we're taking one week off this Memorial this, Day this month. Yeah. So if if block out your calendars, just letting you know in advance, no pod that week. Uh, but thank you for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And, and honestly, we haven't really gotten into it yet, but thank you for joining us this yes. season. I mean, it was a kind of a, <laughs> it was a crazy year. Up and there down. Was, there was a lot that happened, a lot of different news, a lot of, a lot of stuff, and uh, this this was a really fun year. Everyone that was in the Twitch chat this year, you guys made it fun. Everyone that was uh, submitting questions online in our Discord, and even if you're just a listener, you don't you know it does you don't have to submit a question if you're just someone who downloaded and listened. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is something that we do from just you know we're just passionate about this. We love doing this. We love talking hockey. And the fact that so many of you, or any of you even, enjoy listening with us is, uh, we don't take that for granted. It's really cool. So thanks for thanks for being along. But we're not going anywhere, though. I mean, we'll, oh, no. we'll, be, we'll be right back here next week. There's going to be a lot to discuss in the off season. So if you enjoyed what we did this season and you want to help us keep this thing going and, and oh, carry it forward. Really quick. Yeah, I just want to add on to what you said. Thank you, everyone, for, for helping support us. Five seasons now of this show. Yeah, from, this from is the year five. Year five, you, which is kind of crazy to think about. Year five, and we're still going strong. Yeah. There will be an addition. Do we to the C- it, do we hang a banner now? Five years. Yeah, there will be yeah. an addition to the CTP crew. Come, uh, come next season. Wow, you're going there. Okay. I mean, you know. Well, you I know? don't. I don't think people might understand what you, you mean by that. Like, we're I mean, not I, get, we're not getting a third co-host. I no. Think. No, I feel like everyone knew what I meant. Okay, well, there's gonna be a, there's Jake, gonna be a little, little baby that will make an appearance on the show every little, once in a while. Little baby, I can't can't say the word. No, can't say the name. Don't want to. Please divulge. don't. Please don't. don't. Please you don't. Have, you haven't said. Oh, it's three three. Okay, makes yeah. sense now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, so, I, I I just want to say thank you to everyone. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, this show is something that Felix and I started doing uh, because we just like talking hockey. And to be quite honest with you. Um, this show and kind of what it's become. I mean, Felix has become one of my best friends through doing this. And so kind of through the support of all of you, that's kind of created this friendship because to be honest, Felix and I did not know each other before this. Yeah. And now we text a stupid, stupid amount about (laughs) hockey and that in text messages that make no sense. And, uh, my wife doesn't understand it. So, uh, yeah. So without all of you, without all your support, without, Everything that's happened with the show, that wouldn't be there. And I, I'm i just happy that kind of this ride is still going and you all are supporting us. Yeah. And honestly, like this has just become something I look forward to every week. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just fun. I look forward to the pod. So mm-hmm. anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. Enough, enough, enough honey and milk and the flowers. Is that, is that how you say it? I don't know. Sure. Anyway, if you enjoy what we do and you want us to hit year six, uh, there's a few ways that you can do that. The number one way we've talked about a lot are Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. $1 a month, you get access to the Discord. It's the best place to talk hockey online. Certainly the best place to talk ducks, that is for sure. 
Um, that's for $1 a month. Now for $5, you get access to that and two bonus episodes. We just did one over the weekend. My favorite one of the year, playoff round one predictions. Uh, we put our we put our pride on the line with that one, and it was a lot of fun. Um, that's for $5 a month. You get two of those bonus shows a month, and then you can also pledge $15 a month as an extra, extra boost to help us keep this thing going. Let's um, just say uh, my picks today are looking very good so far. Are they? Yeah. Are they? Which one isn't? Are they? Yes. Did you did you pick Carolina? Yes. You did. You did. Um, despite the whole Anderson thing, which well, the, let's see. I, for a second, I was looking at regular season scores. Who won today? Uh, Kings Oilers is tied. You picked the Oilers. Wow, the Blues torched the Wild. That is kind thank, of thank you very much. That is distressing. I mean, okay, your picks look fine, but that's that's really your only contrarian pick. Yeah. In our so. little in our little back and forth. You know, uh, one of uh, one of us is perfect so far. One of us isn't. I mean, did I say wild and four? No, I didn't. So I'm still good. It's all good yeah. in the neighborhood. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, just just throwing shots. Okay, okay. Back, back to your point. The Patreon. Yeah. So check that out. Um, but you don't have to pledge any money monthly, though. We get it. Money's tight. Inflation is rampant. What have you? Um, <laughs> check out. Uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you do leave us a review, we will read that on the show. We love hearing from you guys there. Check us out on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash crash the pond. That is where you can see the video version of the show. So you can see all the charts, everything that we put up on screen as we are doing this. Uh, But you can really get us, listen to us wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, leave us a little rating there. We would appreciate that. Another way that you can support us, uh, check out our website, crashthepond.com and specifically crashthepond.com slash shop. Uh, you can get really cool t-shirts there for the summertime. And maybe the weather's heating up in your area. There's more sunlight. Uh, the days are getting long, Jake. The, the sun's going to start coming up. Sunrise is going to be pre-6 a.m. here in Southern California. And sunset is getting later and later. So get yourself a t-shirt with our beautiful crest. You can get it in orange and black or with the eggplant and jade. We also have coffee mugs. And we have really cool stickers that you can put on your laptop, put on put on anything, really. Put on your fridge. Uh, that's at CrashThePond.com slash shop. At CrashThePond is on Twitter and on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And that is going to do for it for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.